welcome back to another episode of the Brits Guide to the NFL. Here with episode three of NFL News Night with Greg again. Greg, how are we doing? I'm very well, Callum. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, a lot of things coming up. It's uh, training camps in full flow, um, so there's a lot, quite a lot to talk about today. Um, I know for the past few weeks it's been a bit. You know, not many too too many big stories going out, but um, over the last couple of days, especially, there's been a lot of um, talking mm. points. Uh, one may or may not involve a certain ginger-haired quarterback uh, that we might get onto later. <laughs> um, do you want to start us off with with anything that you've seen this week um, that sparked your interest? Um, yeah. I think there was there's something that kind of really flew under the radar. I don't know if other people are focusing on fantasy or not really focusing on the Saints at all, but Michael Thomas is is on injured reserve at the moment. Uh, he's had ankle surgery and he's expected to be out for four months, uh, which is quite a big deal for uh, you know someone who was the offensive player of the year in 2019, obviously had an injury streak in 2020, and um, was going to come back and be the, the guaranteed number one, really. The Saints don't have a lot of depth at all. Um, at wide receiver. They're actually the thinnest wide receiving group in the whole league, which is really, really poor. Uh, and they don't really have that go-to guy. And now that Thomas is out for potentially four months uh, until, until he's back fit. I think their bye week is week six or seven. So I think they'll probably be targeting, uh, you know, a return for him around then. But yeah, it just really, it just really shocked me how no one seems to be talking about that at the minute. Obviously, uh, Carson Wentz has been injured and there's been a few uh, real stars coming out in training camp and stuff like that. So I think maybe the headlines are elsewhere at the minute. But Michael Thomas being out injured is very, very big for the Saints. Uh, that really is the difference between them being, you know, challenging and trying to get into the playoffs and then being, you know, like f- four or five win team, really, uh, with the ability that he has. So it's really difficult to tell. Um, but yeah, I think that was just something that's really gone under the radar. I don't know if you saw much about that at all. Yeah, especially when you look at that quarterback situation as well. Um, a lot of uncertainty and they had a few cap issues as well um, over the off season. Um, so yeah, like you said, it's it's already a you know a thinned out wide receiving core at, um, in New Orleans. So I mean, take out you know Thomas, who's you know when he's fit and healthy, is probably like a top ten receiver in the league. Um, you know, you take him away and you're left with pretty much a one-dimensional you know Alvin Kamara run game. Um, yeah. Especially if it's like someone like Taysom Hill. Um, or Winston's probably going to throw it a bit more, but um, yeah, we'll mm. have to see what happens there. Yeah, I think having them two, they obviously in, they've been training with him for a few weeks and in the off season and stuff. I think they would definitely be leaning on him as a kind of go-to guy or get out of jail card. Where you know if it's backs against the wall time and Jameis has got to make a big throw, you know everyone knows he's going to be looking towards Michael Thomas, but they he has that special ability to make plays. So unfortunately, with that removed it doesn't look that great. They don't really have that kind of X-factor guy who's a special talent to, to sort of take his place. They've got a lot of sort of average receivers or return guys, you know, lower down the depth chart. But yeah, the Saints wide receiving core is worryingly thin uh, in quality and number at the moment. So yeah, that was something that stood out for me uh, this week. I don't know if you had anything else, Callum. I mean, um, before we get on to um, our favourite quarterback in the world, Mr. Wentz, um, <laughs> I think it's, I think um, something which, I've been saying a while now, and um, it's the New York football giants uh, and how dysfunctional they are at the minute. Um, mm. I don't know if you saw Kelvin Benjamin came out, you know, he signed with them and then, you know, almost immediately got cut. Um, and then he Was came it out. Wait? And he, he might have been something like that, yeah. 
Um, and then he basically came out and slated Joe Judge and saying how terrible he is as a as a coach and he's never going to win a Super Bowl and how bad he is with the players and um, just the overall vibe in that locker room. So it just goes back to what I've said countless times over the last few months. Like the Giants are just a joke right now. Like this idea that they're going to be good and you know win the division is quite funny. Um, you know they've been terrible. You know for the last five or six, last six se- uh, se- seasons, um, they've got a dysfunctional front office with possibly one of the worst GMs in the league um, who can't draft to save his life. Um, we've got one of the worst head coaches in the league, in my opinion, and the quarterback is our old friend, Mr. <laughs> Daniel Dimes. Daniel um, Dimes. <laughs> so you know, and then all this you know talk from Giants fans about you know. Sirianni's never called a player for the Eagles uh, as a head coach. It's like, come on, the Giants are such a mess right now. Um, <laughs> the fact that the other day as well that Joe Judge had to stop practice and make the players run laps up and down. Did you see that about that huge brawl that broke out? I did. Uh, yeah, I did, I did see that briefly. Yeah, a huge brawl with Dan Jones at the bottom of it. I don't know if it was he he got sacked or uh, you know a late hit on the QB or something. But apparently he was at the bottom of a pile up <laughs> and yeah. a brawl just, at Giants practice. So um, yeah, and it pretty much speaks up. speaks volumes when you've got your quarterback at the bottom of a pile. You know when you, I, I'm not sure what the rules are on off-season, you know, drills or anything, but I'm pretty mm. sure, like, your quarterback should not be getting touched very often um, in these sort <laughs> no, of... Not at this stage, anyway. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's very worrying for me. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, as you say, I think it's one, it's one of those, it could be a classic situation in, in New York this year where you can just give him as many weapons as he wants, you know, all the tight ends, all the receivers, all the running backs he wants. Obviously, Saquon's back from injury, signed Kenny Golladay, brought in um, Rudolph, the tight end. So you can bring as many weapons in as you like, uh, but if your QB's no good, he's not going to be able to reach them. So, um, yeah, things don't look particularly promising for the Giants at the moment, uh, especially this kind of like off-field stuff. And it looks like a bit of a disruptive dressing room from, from the outside, obviously. We're not experts, but I think it does look like a, a difficult, delicate situation going on in, in in New York at the moment. So something to sort of keep an eye on. I'm sure there'll be some more developments and more gossip and rumours coming out of that, that training camp in the next couple of weeks as well. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, do you want to? Do you want to finally? I think it's time we we spoke about um, the unmentioned Mr. Carson Wentz. Um, <laughs> potentially, what was it? Four to twelve weeks, I believe. Um, five to twelve, I think. Five to twelve, yeah. yeah. Um, mm. Apparently, I, I, I watched um, uh, Frank Reich on the Pat McAfee show this week, and he was talking about. The injury and apparently um it was yeah. something to do with um a bone that he'd broke like six years ago or something and now it's sort of um come back it fall into a different place or something something's flamed up um so he, he's obviously right. having to require surgery now things are not looking good for the colts and the eagles right now as an eagles fan i'm pretty annoyed as you probably can tell um mm-hmm. you know when i mean lots of people have been speaking about you know, those conditional three first rounders. And, you know, I never really bought into that. You know, I always, when you looked at Wentz's injury history, you can never really count on, you know, a conditional first rounder when the guy is literally just so injury plagued. And, um, I mean, it was it was coming, I think. Um, but mm. once again, Carson wanting out and quitting on the Eagles is possibly the best thing he ever did, 
to the organisation. <laughs> um, it's almost a blessing in disguise, really, when you look at it. Um, I think, you know, mm. Howie Roseman gets a lot of stick and I've been quick to, you know, criticise him as, you know, rightly he deserves so sometimes in the, la- in the past year for some of his decisions. But um, I think he's done a great job in the off-season, uh, you know, offloading Carson, um, you know, at almost peak value before he, you know, deteriorates now. I mean, his, his job's on the line in India. If he, if he misses the majority mm. of the season, I mean, you've got to question whether he can whether he can, you know, be a starting quarterback in the league anymore, especially after that, you know, decline that he's been having for the last few years. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this. Well, I was going to ask you, actually, because I haven't seen much of the kind of uh, opinions and the uh, response from the Eagles fans generally about the Carson Wentz injury because, yeah, obviously, it, it, you're pretty happy to see him go, obviously, move him on and get conditional picks and that sort of thing. But at the same time... Uh, He's obviously picked up an injury. He's going to be out for a while, which, you know, some Eagles fans might be secretly pleased about. Obviously, no one wants to see someone injured deliberately, but um, obviously the guy being out injured is kind of a bit of a ha-ha up yours. Um, But at the same time, it could cost you that kind of conditional first round, second round pick. Um, So I didn't know what the kind of fallout had been in in the Eagles kind of camp and and what you've seen in terms of the reaction to it. Is it generally like a positive that people want him to get back fit and, you know, get you that first round pick, or are people a I, bit happy to give them the finger? Yeah, I don't. I don't think Pete, there's many. Um, I don't think Wentz and and positive, you know, goes together in Philly anymore. I think after that, <laughs> you know, whole the debacle that happened at the end of the last year, and then just how mm. it all ended as well. Like there was just such a such a, a mess. Um, the way that he just quit on the team and just forced his way out. Like I think. Um, then again, I look at it on, on the other side, and you you could say that the you know the Eagles might end up getting lucky if Carson comes back like what well, I think for the first rounder to be guaranteed he needs to play like seventy seventy five percent of the snaps. Um, yeah, seventy percent I think it is. Seventy yeah. percent or yeah. Um, so I, you never know. The, the Eagles could get lucky and you know get a top fifteen pick if the Colts absolutely suck, especially with that news that Quentin Nelson's going to be out as well. Darius Leonard's injured at a minute as well. I mean, the Colts are yeah. really going to suck if, if if all these injuries, you know, come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because like you, as an Eagles fan, like I've I've, I've spoke out about Carson, and um, I, I don't even know what to say at this point about him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the first thing when I heard the injury, I texted you, didn't I? And I yeah. said, uh, he's not even on your team and he's still hurting your team. <laughs> he's like, he's not even in Philly and he's still being a pain in the ass. <laughs> Which I think sums it up at the minute, isn't it? It's kind yeah. of like he's not even a guy anymore and he's still hurting you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, um, but, uh, yeah it's, it's a tough one. Yeah, as you were kind of mentioning the injuries, I, I only saw recently about the Quinton Nelson injury. Apparently, it's the same injury as Carson yeah. Wentz. Uh, yeah. So five to twelve week window again, um, which is a massive blow. Quinton Nelson's arguably the best guard in the league, and it's not something you really notice because obviously playing offensive lineman isn't something that a lot of us do and understand mm. particularly well. But um, he's a he's a massive miss in that offensive line. They are very solid across the board, but um, he he's a big big part of of what they do and how how successful they are at um, protecting the, the quarterback and protecting the running back. So him, you know, Nelson being, being missing is a big deal as well. And I looked down the depth chart of their quarterbacks and it looks like Jenny Kavison and Sam Ellinger, Ellinger or Ellinger, 
uh, are going to be fighting it out for yeah. QB1 spot. Uh, and Nick falls to Inda. Let's make it happen. It's, it's the only thing that makes sense. That. It's the only thing that makes sense at this point. Nick falls to India. I would love. I'd love to see that. Can you I'm imagine sure the scenes? I mean, Carson would be livid, and I would be <laughs> ecstatic just seeing him absolutely livid that the backup quarterback who took his job and won a Super Bowl forced him to go. He's gone to Chicago as a third-string quarterback, and now he's going to go to India and do well with the Colts. Love to see it. It'd be forever in Foles' shadow then. Yeah. yeah, that would be that would be hilarious. But yeah, it looks like Ellinger and, and Easton are going to be fighting out. But um, yeah, I, I don't look too hopeful. I looked at their fixtures actually as well. The Colts first five fixtures. Let me know if you think they'll win any of these. I don't. Uh, they play the Seahawks, then the Rams, then the Titans, then the Dolphins, and then the Ravens. So they could Jesus, ultimately be zero and five. Yeah, they could be zero is... and five. I mean, the Dolphins aren't the strongest. Uh, you know the Titans hit or miss really, um, but that could definitely be an 0-5 start for the Colts with no real mm. QB or no top tier QB or anything, and missing your best guard and Leonard's injury. I'm not 100% sure on how long he'll be out, but that's obviously a big miss on defense as well. So the Colts are a bit of a shambles at the minute. Unfortunately, Camp hasn't done them much favors um, and done them any favors, yeah. and uh, yeah, they're very injury stricken. That's mess. a that's a rough start that. I mean, really rough, yeah. Seahawks, was it Seahawks, Rams? I mean, literally, like you just said, like you could easily see them going 0 5. If, yeah, you know. Seahawks, Rams, Titans, Dolphins, Ravens. Yeah, like you said, I think the only, I, I think the only one that I wouldn't be surprised about and winning is the Dolphins one. I think that's probably, mm. I don't want to say the easiest because they're five decent teams, but yeah. I think the Dolphins... That's definitely more winnable. Yeah, but then again, I mean, Dolphins have an unbelievable defence, so... Yeah. They do, And Tua's yeah. think... looking good, apparently, in training camp. I've heard some reports that Tua's mm-hmm. looking good. Yeah, I've heard a lot about Tua and training camp, obviously, last year, coming off a big injury and not fully know the playbook and stuff. I think, yeah, he's looking fitter, stronger, um, and, and more tuned in. Obviously, they've gotten a, a little bit more help at wide receiver, and that off, young offensive line's got another year experience. So, yeah, I think from what I've heard, Tua, Tua and uh, the Dolphins camp are a lot happier with him this year, uh, and they feel in a lot better spot. So, yeah, Dolphins won't be a walkover, but that is the easiest of the five, you would imagine. Um but yeah, that is a, a really rough start for the Colts. Well, you mentioned um, offensive line injuries with Quentin Nelson and um, a bit of a link here to um, veteran O-lineman Joe Looney decides to retire less than a week after signing with the Giants. <laughs> <laughs> that circus up in New York continues yeah. to uh, give us more entertainment. <laughs> um, I'll just try and find the report if you want to. Some giant yeah, players. yeah, that's that's uh, it's a very um, interesting topic, but uh, I'm sure you can manage it. Yeah, that's fine. I think well, well, all I can remember really, they they cut or, or traded Kevin Zeitler, I think, in the off season. I think he ended up in the Ravens. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a reworked offensive line in the Giant uh, in New York for the Giants. They've got a couple of young guys they drafted in the last couple of years, um, and I don't think they've really gelled particularly well. I think their defense is definitely the strong point. And uh, I think that's why they kind of targeted the offensive weapons this year. But as I mentioned before, QB plays rubbish. Um, 
But Saquon coming back, they I think they need better protection on the offensive line. I don't think they really have it particularly. Um, but as you say, him him signing and then uh, you know retiring a, a week later seems a bit of a sneaky move. It's uh, very a very dark move. Yeah, there well, is. There's, uh, so, um, there's a tweet from Warren Sharp here. It says the career arc of Giants Joe Luna is hilarious. Um, so New York Giants tweet: We have signed veteran lineman Joe Luna. Next one: New York Giants lineman Joe Luna didn't. No, running penalty laps was a part of business in East Rutherford, but he loves it and embraces it. Next one, a full team brawl at Giants camp with QB, uh, Daniel Jones, somehow at the bottom of the pile. Joe Judge's laps are <laughs> delivered. Next one, New York Giants old lineman Joe Looney was signed over the weekend and decided to retire. He's a, <laughs> listen to this one. He's a third Giant to retire since camp opened. I mean... Really? That is... Pretty eye-opening. I've seen, yeah. Now, now you mention it, I think I've seen a handful of retirements across the league, and obviously sometimes players that feel pretty fit in the off-season come back, and then they're working day in day out, and they can't really hack it anymore. Or they're pretty comfortable where they are. But yeah, I mean, he's clearly gone there and just seen what an absolute mess it is, on absolute shit show, and he's just mm. <laughs> he's yeah. gone. I'd rather sit at home than, uh, than yeah, have to I'll deal with this. this every day. I'll sit this one out. Yeah. Um, That's a respect. <laughs> I mean. Moving on to an, another sort of offensive line uh, topic uh, related to Joe Burrow and the you know lack of protection he's going to get. I mean, I saw a report, uh, it might have been uh, Tyler Boyd that was asked about Joe Burrow's um, like, uh, status in training camp and he said that his, his knee is looking a bit iffy. Um, I mean... I think we said it on the last episode that we were both quite big Joe Burrow fans and we do want him to succeed. Yeah. But, you know, it's 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 one thing having all these weapons in Jamar Chase, you know, Teagans and Tyler mm. Boyd, but then, you know, getting absolutely destroyed before you can even get the ball out. Um, so you do start mm. to wonder whether that will, you know, um, affect their play styles, whether they will look to, you know, less deep balls and more sort of, you know, offloading it on like um, wide receiver screens or or just just something to mm-hmm. get the ball out and put it in the playmaker's hands um, before you know Joe Burrow gets demolished. Yeah, absolutely. As you say, it's um, it's a tough situation when you've got talented players to to throw to, but unfortunately, it looks like the quarterback isn't going to be up long enough or in in a you know a favourable space to to be able to make those throws. So it is frustrating, uh, obviously. We're kind of we're both big Joe Burrow fans, as you mentioned. We want him to do well, but yeah, they, I don't think they've done enough in this off season to upgrade their offensive line to kind of put Bengals fans at ease or put you know Joe Burrow's fans at ease to to feel confident in the offensive line and that it's going to be protected enough. Um, so it could be another disappointing year, really. I know even last year when he was he wasn't getting sacked, he was just getting pressured, and some of his yeah. deep and medium balls were absolutely embarrassing, like mm. really really bad. He looked, he looked scared to get hit, if if mm. I'm honest. Um, and that's obviously a sad thing when you've got such a talented quarterback who's, who doesn't really look like he fancies it. But hopefully they can uh, sort something out. Hopefully he can come up with a bit of swagger, a bit of chip on his shoulder and, and prove people wrong and really keep the Bengals uh, fairly competitive. Well, as competitive as it can be with the roster they have. Yeah. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see but, how their offensive line develops over camp. I, I, think. I think that's uh, you know something that maybe not doesn't go under the radar as such but just something that is a little understated is the severity of that you know that injury that is sustained mm. that ACL like especially for a quarterback like we're looking at 
you know, possibly a career change and injury. Like people are, some people are sort of glazing over it and saying, oh, you know, he's, he's going to come back and he's going to put up numbers with Jamar Chase. But yeah. like, you can never sort of count out that that injury history once it strikes. You know, it's like you say, it's going to change the way that, you know, he perceives the field. Is he going to be slightly more hesitant to, you know, just rush rush through his reads a bit quicker because he's, you know, too scared to, you know, get hit. I'm not, I'm not mm. trying to say Joe Burrow's, you know, scared. He's an NFL athlete, but <laughs> it is going to put some, you know, a seed in the back of his mind. Something, I mean, we, which we haven't spoke about since the last mm. um, episode is the Aaron Rodgers situation. Um, yes. Do you have anything? You, I, I, I'm trying to find this report that I found earlier, but I know you yeah. te- you texted me about it when I was on holiday, and I had to sort of read back because I'd missed all this, what had, what had happened in the week, so... Yeah, well, I think um, there's there's sort of come to a resolution, haven't there? I suppose um, Adams and Rogers both agreeing to stay in Green Bay for this year, but I think they've kind of shifted the contract a little bit, so um, they would be tradable at the end of this year. I got the got the impression from what they've said and uh, the way that they've kind of acted in the interviews and that sort of stuff that uh, they'll look both look to obviously play this year, do as well as they can, and then look to get traded next season. Uh, or later this season, and uh, and move on to Pasha's new, but it's a difficult one. I think they've they've handled it pretty poorly, to be honest. The Packers. Uh, it's one of those where the leverage is all in Aaron Rodgers' favour, really, uh, and it looks like he's got what he wanted. Uh, it looked like one of the major issues was the cutting of Jake Cumero, which sort of makes me laugh, really, because he was on the Bills roster uh, last year. He was on the practice squad. He got elevated a couple of times for match day. He caught one touchdown and that was it. Uh, never mm. saw him again all year. Um, but he did, it makes me laugh because he was just like a real bit part player and I couldn't believe Rodgers was so like, you know, distraught that they'd cut him. Uh, and that seemed to be what would have riled him up. But yeah, that was definitely a turning point for him. And he's just argued that he wanted to have more of a say and be kept in the loop about decisions and, and who's being cut and uh, who they're keeping and that sort of stuff. So he did a pretty big pe- press conference about it and he was very open. Uh, and I'm sure you've seen some of that, have you, Callum? Yeah, well, you do bring an interesting point about the dynamics between players and front office. Like, throughout this whole sort of uh, thing that's gone on with Aaron Rodgers in the offseason, I've, you know, the majority of the time been on his side. Um, I think, you know, the way that they've disrespected him, like the front office, has been quite mm-hmm. laughable at points. Um, but one thing that I did sort of, Mm. question was the fact that Aaron Rodgers did want to be you know more involved in trades and I'm like you know it's it's not really his I know he's you know he's Aaron Rodgers he can you know there's there's certain mm. figures that, that almost <laughs> like transcend an organi- organization and he can you know yeah, afford yeah. to make them decisions but like at the end of the day he's a player like he's not a GM like ultimately that's his role's on the field yeah exactly yeah um, and I thought it was pretty telling that they, they brought back Randall Cobb as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. I thought that was quite funny. Yeah, that was quite, that was funny. Yeah, they did. Uh, he did an interview and uh, a lot of his teammates said he looked like he'd come back from prison uh, being down in Houston. So uh, that's really not surprising because that's also another terrible organisation at the moment. But yeah, it was quite telling that as soon as he kind of got his way, they brought back uh, Randall Cobb. Uh, but yeah, as you mentioned, it's it's kind of a weird dynamic. I think he's... You know, he was the league MVP last year. Devontae Adams, probably the best receiver, you know, top three receiver in the league. It was arguably the best receiver in the league last year. You know, these guys have significant leverage and especially in the, uh, in Green Bay, where it's the only kind of um, community-owned franchise. Yeah. Um, they're not kind of 
going against one individual or uh, you know a handful of individuals who are the owners for example uh, it might seem a little bit of a a communal snipe so to speak against uh, against the whole place but i think they've you know it seems to be resolved at the moment there might still be some bitter feelings up there but i think they'll get their game head on and the fact that those two could quite easily drag them to you know a 13 and 4 record or you know 14 and 3 record or something like that that is really significant that they are back playing in green bay not that Jordan Love's bad and the rest of their receivers are that bad, but I just think that, that the real pull that they have and their knowledge and experience and kind of, you know, winning habit that they, they kind of create, they're really big for that dressing room atmosphere and kind of mindset as well. So it's absolutely crucial that they got both of them back for this year, but the future beyond that looks pretty bleak. Uh, I wouldn't expect them to be there in 2022. Yeah, well, I just read a, a quote that says Aaron Rodgers um, says his role, was it? Aaron Rodgers says his role with um, Packers GM is a work in progress. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's not a pretty read for Packers fans um, going forward. Mm. You, like you said, you'd you'd pretty much expect it to be, you know, a, let's give it all we've got this year. See if we can finally get to a Super Bowl uh, with yeah. what they have right now. Um, talking about Super Bowls, the Baltimore Ravens, I think, are going to be up there this year. Um, I think they've made some mm-hmm. really impressive um, choices in the off-season, in their drafts. Brought in Rashad Bateman, who's going to be that sort of solid, um, you know, deep threat for Lamar Jackson. He's going to help him with his passing game. Um, and then Tylen Wallace mm-hmm. as well, for me, has gone under the radar. I think um, one of the analysts was saying that he should have gone like 50 picks um, earlier when, when they drafted <laughs> him. So, so I think Tylen Wallace is electric from Oklahoma. Uh, Odafio mm-hmm. away as well um, from Penn State. Yeah. Um, so I think they sort of secretly had a, a really uh, impressive draft, um, the Ravens. Um, and mm. as well, when you look at their roster, they've already got like a, you know, you'd probably say like a top 10 roster anyway. Um, but, you know, the additions that they've made, um, for me really now, you know, Lamar Jackson bounced back year. Now he had a few issues with... Um, I think he contracted COVID a couple of times last year, so that obviously affected yeah. their situation. Um, but I think they're going to be up there. Like we said, a tough division with the Browns up and coming as well. But mm. I think the Ravens Ravens are going to be right up there. Yeah, very, very tough division, as you say. I, I Personally, I can see the Browns topping that division, but I wouldn't have Ravens too far behind. Uh, as you mentioned, yeah, their draft was, was particularly good. I think wide receiver was the obvious place that they needed to go to to kind of upgrade. But then they also lost a couple of key players. They lost like Matt Judon in, in the offseason. Um, and their offensive line had a few cracks last year. I think when you know the starters were injured or had COVID and stuff, the the um, guys who stepped up into their place weren't particularly good but I think they went out and made the right moves and brought in a couple of good depth guys or guys that will challenge the starters at least I think they brought in Alejandro Villanueva who was yeah. at the Steelers before yeah. um, so some decent tackle depth as well so I think they've they've kind of done a few astute moves uh, in the in the off season with free agency and then I think their draft as you mentioned was pretty good Rashad Bateman is someone that I really liked going into the draft and I think it'd be a big uh, big part of what they do next year obviously Lamar Jackson and him you know using his legs is a big part of the Ravens offense and something that defenses kind of focus a lot on but now they might actually have a legitimate wide receiver to worry about as well so it could be quite a different scheme and a different kind of game plan that defensive have to work around to to counteract this Ravens offense and uh, Odafe Owe is someone that I also really like he'll be that kind of Matt Judon replacement but 
slightly more athletic. I think he's a lot more agile and quicker. Uh, maybe doesn't have the size that Judon has, but I think he could be a really interesting player in year two. I'm not sure about how well he'll replace him kind of this year, but I think looking forward to like the year after, you know, in the next two years, he could be a, a really, really good player and a really effective uh, run defender for the Ravens. So, yeah, they do look strong. Um, the Ravens are a team that are very hit and miss because the Bills always tend to have close games with them. So I'm not a massive fan personally, but I can see them doing well. Uh, I think they will be strong, definitely. I feel like the Ravens are like one of those, those teams as well. When like whenever they're on like you know prime time or anything, like I, I always mm. just love to watch them. Like they're just such a, I don't know. They like they fight. They're like a proper hardworking team. And I love their you know their coaching staff and what they're doing. Um, they're just quite yeah. a fun team to watch. Um, before I move on from that division, um, obviously uh, a couple of days ago now. Um, the Browns and Nick Chubb have an agreement in principle on a three-year contract mm-hmm. extension uh, worth $36.6 million, uh, $20 million mm-hmm. fully guaranteed. I mean, you've got to say it's a huge deal for for um, the Browns running game going forward. Obviously, you know, people, I think people these days are slightly hesitant. Just the way that the NFL is going um, on giving, you know, running backs massive contracts be- just because of, like, the longevity is not really there, you know, compared to like a, mm. a receiver. But like, come on, it's Nick Chubb. Like, he's a top three running back. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a massive deal for them. You've got to say, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's it is a huge deal, uh, way way higher than a lot of other running backs. Um, but as you mentioned, Nick Chubb is just an incredible running back. Uh, the longevity is usually not there for running backs um but this kind of extension means that he'll be a free agent at 29 years old and i think it's quite a smart move from both sides because it gives him that 20 million guarantee like you said he gets a, a big big payday for a couple of years but it means that baker mayfield and that offensive line have have a secure running back they know they can rely on obviously they have kareem hunt as well so best running yeah. back duo in the nfl for me um, but it definitely not uh, locks Nick Chubb in, which is really, really crucial to, to that offense and how they operate. But I think it means that three years down the line after that extension uh, and three years after that contract, sorry, uh, he'll still be 29. So he, he, can, he can look to the open market and maybe get paid a big contract elsewhere or he can always re-sign. But I think it's kind of a, it's one of those where he's getting paid a lot, but it's only a couple of years, but you know, you're going to be guaranteed his best years. Yeah. And for running backs, obviously, they don't tend to last too long, apart from Frank Gore, who, you know, must have started <laughs> so his NFL career in the 19th century. It feels like um, he, he's just, yeah, incredible. But running backs don't tend to last that long into sort of the early 30s. So uh, I'd imagine Nick Chubb's best years are either right about now or will be in a year or two. Uh, he's looking insanely strong. I've seen some amazing videos of his workouts and, um, you know, squatting 500 plus pounds. Um, it's just absolutely ridiculous. I think he's a physical freak. Uh, but I'm, yeah, he, he, I'm really excited to see what he can do this year. I think the contract was kind of fair. I know it's quite expensive one relative to running backs, but I think he, he probably deserves it. Uh, and obviously the Browns have, ma- have shifted their cap and stuff, so it's manageable. So why not? I think it's quite, you know, cap friendly as well. So, yeah, I think Chubb is just incredible. I'm excited to see what he can do this year. Really, really excited to watch him. I think like you said as well, like just the way that the league's going, like it's no surprise that teams are starting to have that sort of combination of like a one-two punch, like with Chubb and Hunt. Mm. Um, you know, ra- you know, rather than just you know running you know a single back into the ground for a year or so, 
they're sort of mm-hmm. you know, diversifying a bit and adding you know two or three people in that uh, running back room unless you're San Francisco and then all your running backs are just getting <laughs> injured. Um, they're all the same type of player and they're yeah. always injured. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, talking about injuries, I think I can't believe we've made it this far without mentioning um, Mr. Heisman himself, Devonte Smith. Um, mm-hmm. Is day to day with a with a little bit of a, a knee tweak, I believe. Um, what did you think of this when it came out? Because obviously, as an Eagles fan, I was pretty gutted. Yeah, I I, I only saw this briefly. Um, haven't looked into it too much. Obviously, it's day by day, so they'll monitor him and make sure they don't kind of overwork him. Uh, you know, it, injuries happen at this sort of time of year, especially with players you know coming back and now they're they're being properly tested day in day out, and I'm sure they'll put the pads on soon if they haven't already to to get some uh, physical contact in so it's not really surprising Uh, I think a lot of people probably point to the fact that he's not particularly uh, you know strong he doesn't look particularly big uh, and you know NFL ready inside of the size of his shape Uh, people might point to that but I think it's pretty kind of weak yeah I don't don't buy into that at all I I don't anything related like the guy's gone through I know look you, you talk about college and the NFL and the two completely different prospects but like the guy's gone through college, and I think the worst that he, the worst injury that he ended up with was in the um, national championship final. I think he had a dodgy finger or something. Like the guy's just mm-hmm. a absolute freak. Like the amount of separation he gets is, and his elite route running. Like, like the guy just. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want to say touch wood now before I curse it, but the guy just does not get injured. Um, he just, he's just so evasive and. Oh, that, that that clip is going to bite me in the ass, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say I can't wait to timestamp that and come back yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a few months, yeah. Let, let's, yeah. Let's, go on, man. Sorry, I just had another point. Yeah, I just, I, I'm, I'm full, I know it's going to be monitored day by day, obviously. I hope it doesn't disrupt his prep for the season because I think a lot of neutrals around the league as well as obviously Eagle fa- Eagles fans are really, really excited to see him play. I think he's probably one of the most exciting prospects coming out of college from this draft. Uh, and a lot of people are really interested to see if he can make that step up. And I really hate for an injury in training camp and something so sort of, you know, small to kind of affect the way that he plays, especially in the first few weeks when the people tend to write players off or, you know, you know, think that they're superstars, see Chase Claypool from last year. Um, so, yeah, I think it hopefully it shouldn't affect his his prep and I hope it doesn't because he is a really exciting player and uh, myself obviously and a lot of neutrals are quite excited to see what he can do because he really is an elite player. I think um, something that triggered Eagles fans was the fact that um, whoever reported it, I think it might have been Ian Rappaport, said that um, there's no cause for concern. I mean you just don't say that to Eagles fans, like there's just some <laughs> sort of Injury curse that goes around Philly um, with, you know, whenever we get a superstar prospect. So um, that's, yeah, take it or leave it, that, that comment. But, um, yeah, let's just let's just pray that it doesn't affect, you know, any preparation. Like, I think the, that, the fact that Jalen and Devontae obviously know each other from college and they played a bit together, like, is obviously going to help so much with, you know, just their mental preparation and also that they've got, you know, they've had those reps, you know, in college. They've got uh, that know-how, yeah. Yeah, they know each other, they're, they're, you know, real good friends. And um, it's just a matter of, you know, installing a new offence and getting to learn the system. But I'm sure, you know, Devontae will be able to do that um, whilst he's not on the pitch. But mm-hmm. one one sign of encouragement was that today I saw um, he was on the jugs machine. So, I mean, you know, if it, it, usually if it's a serious injury, like 
the players aren't even you know on the field or anything so that was encouraging to see him on the jugs ball mm-hmm. still getting that practice in um that's even good. with a, a slight injury so i guess that's a you know sign of encouragement yeah fingers crossed um drew lock versus teddy bridgewater aka teddy two gloves as uh, the guys at shall we football phone um <laughs> talk to me about the broncos qb battle um because you know we i think we spoke about uh, their roster before they've got a decent roster um it's it's just a matter of finding a stable qb who can produce for them um i know obviously courtland sutton um is is quite a um you know popular guy in fantasy um yeah and obviously jerry judy as well is you know yet to kick on um you think he maybe mm-hmm. if, if he does receive that stable qb play um whether it's this year or or whenever you know he's, he's going to kick on and and produce but yeah talk to me about that qb battle yeah it's a really interesting one isn't it i mean drew lock's been there for a couple of years now and hasn't really um you know shown too much promise uh and look you know he hasn't looked like he's going to be a top level qb so i think this is probably his last chance i think the broncos if he doesn't really show you know his full potential this year i think they'll probably just get rid of him or, or you know get someone in to, to be qb1 but i think it could be a similar situation like we saw last year in miami and not because drew locks a rookie but just because uh he's a little bit uh, you know, a little bit raw, let's say. I think his feet, his footwork is one of the worst I've seen out of all the QBs. Uh, I'm not a QB coach or anything, but, it, you know, his feet are all over the place. Um, so really not ideal from your quarterback who's meant to be as steady as possible and, you know, keep his head in line, his, his throw through the ball and that sort of stuff. So I think Drew Locke has a lot of technical issues if you can try and sort out because it, we've seen like Josh Allen did it. There was a couple of really minor details that he changed between 2019 and 2020 tiny little details and he made a massive jump and I'm not saying Drew Locke can do the same but I'm saying if there's small things in his game that he can improve if he can do build on that in training camp I don't see why he couldn't go in as QB1 and he couldn't do a pretty good job for the Broncos because as you mentioned they've probably got top five roster if you take the QBs out um in the whole league so really exciting roster lots of playmakers on the offensive side of the ball it's just that QB play really but I think Bridgewater is a much more reliable option and the reason I said that we could have a Miami sort of situation is I could see Drew Locke starting the season um, and then if it gets to a tight game or they need to try and drag it back, maybe they bring Teddy Bridgewater in for some steady, you know, medium and short kind of throws, just get a little bit of tempo, a little bit of momentum, get some confidence back, get some, you know, get the ball into some of the receivers' hands and just kind of go from there, really. So I, that's sort of how I would see it panning out. I'm not sure what your thoughts were and who you think might start. To be honest, just going back to that, uh, it's funny you mentioned about footwork because um, I was watching one of the Eagles press conferences this week and um, somebody, one of the uh, journalists asked Siriani, um, what sort of things have you been doing to, you know, to help Jalen Hurts progress, you know, into his second year in terms of technical stuff. And um, he was saying, like, at this stage of the career, there's no point messing with, you know, arm stuff, you know, technical stuff up here. Like, mm. if you can nail that footwork down, like that's where you're going to see the improvements because you know yeah. the guy's been throwing the ball that that way that certain way for you know however many years he's been playing so there's no point really changing that stuff now it's <laughs> all about you know nailing that footwork down to to really see um any improvement but like you said i i mean you you'd, you'd probably put your money on teddy bridgewater to have a much more you know consistent year um than mm-hmm. um our good old friend drew lock who has 
probably definitely got the most punishable face in the NFL, we said. <laughs> we've got we've got some exciting stuff lined up there. I think we've got a gonna make a little list each of uh, who yeah. we think are the most punchable faces, but Drew Locke could definitely be in there for both of us, I think. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. Got some strong contenders up there. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna to have to have a little think, but yeah, we will definitely have some good ones up there because there are a lot of uh, a lot of players in the NFL, but a lot of uh, very smug characters, mm. isn't there? Uh, do you have um, anything? I just anything? wanted to pick up on. Sorry, go on, Matt. Go on. No, I was just going to pick up on. Anything to, we to, yeah, go on. Yeah, while we're on the Broncos, just um, Patrick Sitan looks pretty good. Uh, from what I've seen in training camp, he looks pretty sharp. A couple of interceptions and stuff like that. Someone I'm really, really excited to see on the field this year. They have a fantastic secondary now. They upgraded it. So, you know, he's, he's playing alongside uh, and competing with um, guys who are very, very good. They have a lot of depth and a lot of uh, quality across that secondary. So I think he'll only get better from that. But he's someone I'm really, really excited to see on defence. And uh, really, I think he'll make a difference. I think he will see the field a lot more than people might think. But I'm not 100% sure which kind of role um, in terms of outside or slot and that sort of stuff. But I think he'll be very valuable either way. And um, there was another place, uh, another place, another wide receiver that I've seen that's been uh, doing pretty well in this training camp, and that's Elijah Moore uh, of the New Ooh. York Jets. Uh, I've seen a lot of rumours that him and Zach Wilson are combining very, very well, and uh, Elijah Moore is pretty difficult to cover. I mean, that's probably not very hard because the Jets' defence is absolutely rubbish. <laughs> um, so, he's, you know, he's going up against a pretty weak defence. So, it, you know, I could probably be unguardable against that defence. But um, Elijah Moore, yeah, definitely someone to probably look out for. Um, some people reckon he could go for, you know, six, 700, 800 yards quite easily next year um, if they can make the step up together. But, yeah, their synergy seems to be pretty impressive. And Elijah Moore was very, very good in college from, from what I saw, his highlights and stuff. I was very impressed. And, um, yeah, I'm quite excited to see how he can do. I know it's a divisional team, but I think uh, the Jets might have a little gem in Elijah Moore. I can't wait to see that joint practice because the Eagles are doing joint practice with the Jets. I just can't wait to see Dante Smith lining up against... <laughs> yeah, you've got to say, one of the worst secondaries in, in uh, the NFL in the Jets. I mean, Devontae Smith yeah. absolutely smoke every single one of them. And Jalen Hurts yeah, think... throws a pretty decent deep ball as well. Hmm. Yeah, that will be an interesting matchup. And then uh, the Eagles secondary is a bit stronger, but it's not exactly the strongest, is it? So uh, it could be, it could be, you know, a lot of good offense and not a lot of good defense going yeah. on. Did, did you see the? Um, did you see the clip of Zach Wilson launching? Like an absolute. Yeah. He did. Yeah, very good throws. Yeah. yeah, he made a couple of very big throws that were very. Very impressive. As I say, I think Zach Wilson's one of them. I thought it was a bit overhyped when he got drafted and Me too. Know, into the NFL. I think maybe he's getting a bit too much love. Mm. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see come early September. I, I'm, I'm not too bothered about training camp now. That You know, I, I do want to... I do get excited about players. Obviously, seeing guys like Elijah Moore and Patrick Satan, etc., and seeing them do well does get me a little bit excited because I, I want to see new talent in the league and want to see everyone pushing... You know, to create the you know the best games and the most exciting action as possible. But Zach Wilson will be someone I'll be keeping a close eye on, especially because he's a divisional team. But mm. you know, I could be quite critical. I think when it comes to it. Can you believe that there's literally? I mean, there's literally a preseason game. Is it tomorrow? No, it's Friday. The first preseason game Friday. That is crazy. Um, yeah, yeah, very very quick. Is it? It's come round. I've, I've had a look at some of the um, preseason fixtures, and most of them aren't very UK 
time friendly, which is a bit disappointing. But I think there is a, yeah, a lot of them are Saturdays, I think, as well. Or the yeah. Bills games are all Saturday. I think there's an interesting Dolphins game. I forgot who they're playing. I think it might be Dolphins Browns. That's like a six o'clock start, which should be decent. That's not too um, bad. Well, yeah, I can't yeah. believe like how quickly it's come around. Like it seems like, in a way, it seems like two minutes since we're talking about the draft, but then it seems like ages since you know the the season ended <laughs> and the off seasons seem yeah. to drag on a bit a, a bit too long. And it's you know it's come around very quickly to training camp and then now to preseason. Soon we'll be we'll be starting back up. Yeah, I get what you mean. I think this is the first off season I've really sort of taken note of everything and really absorbed all the information I could. And I think it has been a little bit slow. But as you say, it also feels like the draft was, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, but no, really excited that the season's nearly here and we'll get to see some fringe players probably in the free season. So, you know, might get a look at some players that might make the 53 and some players that you'd expect to that, that won't. So it's quite an exciting time, I think. Obviously, the preseason, you can't read into it too much if, you know, you win 60 nil. But um, it'll be interesting to see some players and see how um, how well players do. So, yeah, I'm, I'm quite excited. Yeah, me too. Um, I thought to finish it off, we could... Um, this might end up going at, at the start of the show, um, if I can edit it right. But mm-hmm. I thought we'd... Um, Give a little bit of a background about our NFL sort of involvement, how we first got into it. For those, if if you just joined us, I know we've been like sort of changing it up and stuff with the formats of the episodes. So if you if you just started listening recently, you might want to know why we keep banging on about the Eagles and the Bills so much, and uh, where we sort of got that. <laughs> and that Carson Wentz. For. Yeah, and Carson <laughs> Wentz. Um, Greg, do you want to take it away? Yeah, um, so back in 2018, 2019, uh, I think it was 2019 actually, I went to the US for university. Uh, I took a year to study out there and actually ended up in Buffalo in Western New York. And luckily, I mean, when I first got there, I tried to absorb as much of uh, American sports as possible because it's something I've really enjoyed before, like watching the basketball, the baseball, the American football. And uh, American football, watching some YouTube compilations and stuff, I was just in absolute awe. Like These guys are incredible athletes. Uh, and I really just thought, I've, I've got to throw myself in. Like This looks like so much fun. And obviously the games are every Sunday. It's such a big deal to everyone over there as well that it's so hard to, to not get involved when people are, you know, having a barbecue or going for a few drinks when they're watching the game and that sort of thing. So it's a real, uh, you know, whole day affair, really. So while I was there, I really threw myself in. And Buffalo's a football mad city. The Bills are their team, obviously, and they're notorious fan base for for being a bit loopy. So it was really good fun and really met some amazing people that really, you know, helped me to fall in love with it and really enjoy my time there and uh, enjoy watching the Bills. I watched one of the games while I was there against the Broncos and since I've been back, I've been following it ever since. I've been trying to stay up and watch the games and obviously with the time difference, it's a little bit more difficult, but I've been trying to follow it as much as I can and just really throw myself in. So that's that's me, really, Callum. Yeah, I think um, just before I get into mine, like, I've been like really impressed like how your knowledge is just unbelievable to say you've only been following it for like <laughs> a couple of years. Um, like the, the, the stuff that you sort of learned about the draft as well, like, especially this year because I think it was was it your like your first proper sort of NFL draft going into it this year yeah um, I think so yeah I didn't really pay attention to it the year before <laughs> yeah um, afterwards yeah I feel like it Thank is you. one of them sports though that you can sort of pick up and learn a lot of knowledge about like um, everything's quite accessible with you know the coverage is slowly starting to grow over here so um yeah it is a bit more accessible um so I basically 
I started watching the NFL was about 14, um, 14, 15. Um, I'd always been sort of interested in American sports, um, like basketball. Uh, my dad's a, a big ice hockey fan and um, a bit of baseball as well. So um, I'd always sort of been around American sports. And then, so I started watching the NFL about 14. And then I was about, probably about 15. Yeah, this has been like 2015, 16, maybe. Um, I sort of decided, right, now I need to, you know, now that I've been watching it for a year or so, I need to sort of start to pick a team. Um, so I started doing a bit of research and stuff. Um, and funny enough, I was just basically just searching up um, English or British players that were playing in NFL. Um, found a guy called Jay Ajayi. Um, followed him uh, in college when he was at Miami. Um, could have been a Dolphins fan because he did go to the Dolphins, but I sort of um, mm-hmm. just watched his progress and then he moved to, to the Eagles midway through the season. And I'm just, you know, I always say this to people, like I'm so lucky that the first ever season that I started following the Eagles with the Super Bowl season, like it, it couldn't have worked out any better. Um, so, I mean, that's quite lucky when you you see, you know, Philly natives like who have, you know, supported the team for like 40, 50 years and never seen a Super Bowl. And then I just come in and, and and see see the, the you know the team's first ever Super Bowl in uh, in my first year of watching um, the Eagles so that was quite lucky and then um, yeah ever since just um, been an Eagles fan ever since then. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for joining me again, Greg. Um, That's I know right. we've got no some we've got some uh, quite exciting guests lined up uh, for the the coming weeks. Um, mm-hmm. A bit of fantasy football. Um, tips maybe coming soon. Um, we're That's both definitely one I need to look out for. My fantasy yeah. draft strategy is absolutely terrible, so I'm going to be taking notes as well. So <laughs> that'll be really so useful. I think we're pretty, pretty new to the whole fantasy football thing. I know you did it. Did you do it last year? This is my first ever year, so I'm I'm yeah. like starting oh. from scratch. I, I did it briefly while I was in, actually in the US, but I did it with a bunch of American guys and um, it, they took like quarterbacks in the first round and stuff. And that's a big sort of no, no. So, um, you know, without giving too much away, I think it's uh, it's going to be a little bit different the way that I do it this year uh, compared to how I've done it in the last two years, just because I'll be a little bit more knowledgeable, a little bit, have a little bit more understanding and hopefully with some tips, uh, I'll, I'll be winning the league. <laughs> Yeah, also, if you want to um, join us, we've set up a, a sort of a UK-based NFL uh, fantasy league on Sleeper. So if you are interested in um, joining us, I know the, the draft is... A, I set the draft to 30 days away it's on the September 4th, but obviously we can change that around if people want a different date. But just uh, messages on Twitter at Brits Guide NFL if you want to get involved in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that Sleeper app is probably... From what I've seen, Sleeper's probably the, the the most accessible and quite easy to to navigate around so i'm excited to start using that um mm-hmm. but yeah thanks for for listening to this and um, we'll see you later